If it's 6 p.m. on a Thursday, that means it's time for Lehigh Valley Discourse here on WDIY 88.1 FM, WDIY.org, and our WDIY app. And we start off with Perspectives with John Pierce. I'm your host. Our engineer is Peter Blair. And my guest this evening is a familiar voice to us here at WDIY, Carla Messinger. Carla, I think this is the third time maybe that you and I have sat here at the microphones. And it's a pleasure to see you. It always is. Well, it's nice to see you again, too. Thank you. The listeners might be familiar with Carla's name because every once in a while, it pops up in the morning call. She writes op-ed pieces such as why we should be celebrating an indigenous day and modern football's sad roots in mistreatment of Native Americans. Ooh. And it's time to celebrate her story. That's what we're about today, is about her story. Native American women and what they have contributed to our society. Carla is director of Native American Heritage Programs. She lives in Allentown, and she's a Lehigh Valley gal, and it's uh, time to study history. Oh, it's time to study her story. Right, her story. (laughs) So... Let's get going with it, Carla. What do you, what do you, how do we begin this discussion? Well, we begin by admitting the fact that uh, there isn't a men's history month. There is a woman's history month, and that's March. But one just for guys, guys have it all the time. And it really should be men and women all the time. So when we think about and looking back on everything, women are more than half of the population in the United States. In 2020 census, million more females than males in the U.S., yet they're still a discriminated against minority. Women today in general earn 32, oops, pardon me, earn 82 cents for every dollar a man does for the same exact job. It took until 1928 for all American women to gain the right to vote. Think about that. Now, I thought the amendment went through in 1920. Well, according to the research, um, the right to vote for all women was voted. Some states had women voting ahead of time. Yes. But most of them didn't. Right. It's 1920s at any rate. So then there's the Equal Rights Amendment, which was to grant equal rights to property, divorce, employment, regardless of gender. That was first drafted in 1923, but it's never been ratified by the 38 states as required by law. Whoa. You mean the ERA hasn't been reconsidered in the years since 1923? Well, it has been, but there are roadblocks. State and federal levels have stalled every time. In February of 2021, Democratic senators and two female Republicans supported finding another way to make the decades-old statute a part of the Constitution. But three male Republican senators actively fought against the needed certification. So it didn't go through, still. 
And we've always lived in a patriarchal society in America. The laws are written and acted and enforced by men. That's true. But surely women's status has improved in recent years. Well, it's been getting better. We now have a female vice president, 12 female governors, 35 female senators. Four of the nine justices on the Supreme Court are women. Uh, women voters in some states, black women voters alone, are now numerous enough to swing a very consequential election. That's what I call progress. That is progress. So how did this empowerment come about? The struggle for equality began to gain momentum in the 1840s in Upper New York State. There was a handful of suffragettes that started a women's right movement based on the social structure of Native American society. Elizabeth Stanton Caddy, oops, pardon me. It was Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, I reversed that. And Matilda Jocelyn Gage grew up in the homeland of the Six Nation Iroquois Confederacy. They saw firsthand that the patriarchal societies of Europe treated women as property, denying them rights, the vote, or a voice. But many native nations are commonly matriarchal. In such groups, the women had rights and responsibilities greater than those by their non-native sisters. The equality they achieved allowed them to lead the family and society. Was this true of indigenous people living here in Pennsylvania? Yes, it was, and a very striking example of men and women being defined and treated as equals took place among my people, the Lenape people of Pennsylvania. In her 2029 book, A Nation of Women, Swedish historian Gunlaug Fur reported that in the early 1700s, the Lenape defined gender by function and not biology. So you, you are a descendant of Lenape. Right, of the Lenape people in Pennsylvania that didn't leave. And there are a scattering of, of Lenape descendants in the several state area, too. So in this homeland, traditionally, <clears throat> there were not just war chiefs, but peace chiefs. Women were often these leaders. They interacted with other groups. They negotiated trade, political relationships, conducted the business of society. Conducting peace was deemed so important that it was determined by, by the gender. So when a man did that work, he thought of himself as a woman. In the mid-18th century, the peaceful Lenape were called a nation of women in which males and females dressed alike, expressing their sexual identity only through their accessories. It just occurred to me as you were saying that is a feminine role, really, is getting people together, peace instead of war, right? you know, non-aggressive. Right. Uh, wow, it's great. Yeah, and so they had this, this equality within their own people. And <clears throat> what happened was that by the end of the 18th century, there were larger groups like the Iroquois that were coming into Pennsylvania, and they were more warlike, unfortunately. Plus, you had conflicts between the natives and the colonists because the colonists were committed to patriarchy, and the hierarchy increased the importance of the male war chiefs. So peace negotiators weren't really considered important anymore. Wow. What a shame. Now, since the birth of America, like their non-native sisters, indigenous women lived within this patriarchal, hierarchical culture. Although many of the 574 Native American nations today remain matrilineal, sometimes they even have women chiefs, like Wilma Mankiller. For 236 years, America lived under a constitution written by an empowering white men. The amendments have gradually granted the franchise to others, but today we still lag behind other nations, giving women equal rights. 
In 2022, the U.S. placed only 27th in the World Economic Forum, ranking of 146 countries, scored for gender equality, health, education, economic development, and politics. Wow. Now, you said something, Carla, that surprises me. There are 574 Native American nations in our country. Those are the federally recognized. That doesn't include state recognized or unrecognized or individuals like me. So there are many more. There are many more, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And we're spread out and we live and dress and work like everyone else. And a lot of Native people today don't share their Native identity because we still face discrimination. Well, the, the low ranking of the U.S., you say, of 146 countries, placed 27th mm-hmm. the U.S. That low ranking is surprising. It's kind of shocking. Has COVID made things worse for American women? Uh, for American women, oh, yes, <laughs> for all American women. Hospitality, leisure industries, child care, teaching, nursing, these women have, you know, suffered a lot, especially when everything closed down. Uh, they have the burden of cake, taking care of their family. They have the burden of taking care of their elders, not just the little kids. But then you have them working full time or two or three part time jobs. And when those jobs stopped, they had no way to provide enough food or medical needs or other basic needs to their families. So the World Economic Forum estimates it will now take 132 years to reach global gender equity. Oh. Mm-hmm. You and I are not going to be here to see that. No, we won't. We won't see We that. hope we'll be playing a harp on high and watching it unfold. Well, maybe we'll be lucky and they can re-give us new body parts by then. <laughs> and so we'll just be recycled. <laughs> When you think about it, globally, women have achieved only one-third of leadership positions. In 2022, there was a 45% increase of women founders versus 32% for men. So women were starting out new businesses, but we're not talking about mega businesses. We're talking about someone starting a hair care, you know, and then they can sell it from their home through the Internet or to pop-up stand. So we're not talking about huge amounts of money being made. So, again, a 45% increase in women founders versus 32% for men in 2022. Right. Interesting. Well, they had to do something to bring in extra income. Right. That sounds promising. Yeah. That's, that's a, a really big step forward. So women are surging to the forefront as activists. Social issues, the impact would be such as the threats of reproduction and other rights in the growing gender race-based violence that threatens them and their children. Getting your kid to school and back can be a real challenge. Yes, indeed. If, if it's in a violent neighborhood. And it can happen anywhere, anytime, any place to anybody. The people in Lehigh Valley know that because of things that happen all around us in, in the smaller communities. They think, oh, no, it only happens in a big place like Allentown or Bethlehem. And they find out Northampton or Catasauqua or Copley or Makunji has this surprising problem, and yes. it's, it's there, they just don't realize it. So under pressure from strong women in power, government is beginning to acknowledge and address injustices based on prejudice against women, especially minority women. Many of the Western features that we don't think about because we're here in Pennsylvania uh, use the word squaw to indicate a place, and that's a sexual slur. 
Why uh, is that a sexual slur? It refers to a lady's body part below the waist. Oh. From well, from one of the uh, Indian languages? Well, yeah, or? it was taken and it was rearranged to mean that by the oh. early colonists up in, in New England and other places. Wow, I never well, realized that. The men yeah. left their wives and children behind. They didn't have Social Security. They didn't have welfare. So a wife with nine children in England would never see her husband again, and he would live with or marry a native person. So under the leadership of Pueblo native Deb Hallen, which most people have heard about because she's now the first native and woman secretary of the interior, hundreds of these sites have been changed. They have other names, new names, usually native names, which is nice. And the very important long-delayed decision to confront the skyrocketing incidents of missing and murdered indigenous women is another problem. Because of racism, misogyny, our society refused to write and enforce laws to combat this horrible situation. Unaddressed crisis has reached an epidemic level with women and children missing, and if they're found, they're usually found dead. Oh, yeah. well, how bad is it? Well, they're murdered at a rate that's more than 10 times the national average. More than half of Alaskan Native and Native women in general experience sexual violence at some point, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. More than half? Mm-hmm. Oh. And between 2005 and 2009, authorities declined to prosecute over half of all the violent crimes that took place. And 60% of the Native victims described their attackers as white people. And President Obama signed a law that said if a white man comes on a reservation and rapes a woman, he can be held responsible. He's the he, first person to do that. First person to do that. Yeah. In 2015 oh, or so. Yeah. I mean, it took all these years, all these missing women. We're talking this evening on Lehigh Valley Discourse Perspectives about uh, contributions of Native American women to our society my guest is Carla Messinger, and she is a descendant of Lenape, which is a well-known name here in the Lehigh Valley. By the way, it's a name I learned when I moved to the Lehigh Valley. I had never heard of it in the Midwest. And the, the many tribes that there still are here in our country. And we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Native American Women with Carla Messinger. Hang in there. We'll be right back. WDIY offers many choices and real voices. This is Marcy Lightwood. Local news, weather, and traffic is provided by the WDIY News Team during Morning Edition and All Things Considered Monday through Friday. We also bring you news and entertainment Saturday and Sunday with Weekend Edition. WDIY is the Lehigh Valley's local source for NPR news, public affairs, and diverse music at 88.1 FM and streaming on WDIY.org. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610 694-8100, extension 4, or WDIY.org. We couldn't be here without you. And we're back on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org with 
Perspectives on Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm your host, John Pierce. My guest, Carla Messinger, is talking to us about the contributions and the problems also of Native American women in our society. Carla, we're on a kind of a negative role here with some of the women, right, the violence, murders right, even. Right. And well, yeah, and, and women in America in general. The Supreme Court decision handed down last year, which was in 2022, ruled in effect that because the Constitution's framers didn't stop domestic abusers from possessing guns, we can't do it either in 2023. Hmm. It was not until 1871 that a state court determined that a husband had no right to beat his wife. Oh. Yeah. Slate legal reporter Mark Joseph Stern said in 2022, the decision is almost certain, quote, to lead to more abusers murdering their wives and girlfriends and will also increase mass shootings because domestic abusers are vastly more likely to commit heinous crimes of gun violence, unquote. So that's something that American women need to comprehend. When they go and vote, they need to vote really vote, look at the issues, illegal women voters, get both sides and figure out who you think will best serve you, your children, your grandparents right. in the future. Right. So Carla, uh, there is a certain number of Native American women, some of whom we have heard a lot through our history lessons, and some we have not. So I'm well, going to give you some fun things. Most people have heard of Pocahontas. And everyone assumes they know her story. We assume that she was romantically involved with John Smith, but that's a myth. She was 11 or 12 years old, the daughter of the head chief of the Powhatan Nation. Smith was 30 to 50 years old and a leader of the English colony. The rescue story that he tells is also a myth. He read adventure stories, and his original reports and writings did not include the Pocahontas incident at all nor did any of the other colonists ever talk about it. The account of a real story about a Native woman saving an enemy's life in Florida was published in 1605. And then John Smith decided to revise his account that was published in 1618, and then he spoke about her. It was sort of a, a promo for people to come to America. Oh. In actuality, she married John Rolfe, who was 28 years old, tobacco planter, he became her tutor after the colonists kidnapped her so they'd get support from her father. He taught her English and customs, and in 1616, he took her to London to promote life in the British colonies and how easy it was to live there. So they treated her like native royalty. Now, there is one illustration of her in a Jacobean clothing that hit her tattoos and other symbols. That was made in 1616. She was 21 and in London. In the eve of sailing home, she contracted tuberculosis. She died at the age of 22, became the first Native person to be buried on British soil. Now, when you think about Sacagawea and Lewis and Clark and the expedition, you have to remember this was a young woman who, along with her spouse, was the tour guide for some lost guys trying to go to the Pacific <laughs> Ocean. So she was either pregnant or carrying a baby on her back for all mm. of this. Ooh. She wasn't just an interpreter. She went thousands of miles from North Dakota to the Pacific Ocean. She was the only woman on the journey. She helped save the expedition by establishing peaceful contacts with other Native groups, doing her job as a Native woman. In 2020, she was a face on the U.S. dollar. 
She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2003. She was designated a hero by the National Women's Suffragette Association. There was even a Hotsey one version of her played in <laughs> Night at the Museum, where all the different things come alive. So I talked about women being matriarchal society, they had equal rights, child rearing, property, political issues, and power. Family planning and birth control were shared responsibilities. Equality and cooperation, that was how that would work for them. But it's hard for our society, because it is patriarchal, to recognize these things and how the importance was for people to live in peace for hundreds and thousands of years. The way of life that was imposed upon them was very different. It forced them to become patriarchal and for the women to lose their voice, their power, and for their societies to have problems because they were no longer helping keep keeping things on an even keel. I talked about the Lenape people and it was a consensus-oriented peacekeeping, pursuing peace through diplomacy by both men and women. In the centuries since, like I said, all these societies had problems and also there was different religions imposed upon them by different groups from Europe and America. Now there's all sorts of neat things that you could watch on TV. You can, there's a Native American film festival from California. You can find information on that on the net. You can watch a 2007 documentary called Miss Navajo. It follows the adventures of a shy but determined girl who competes for that annual title. She has to demonstrate skills in weaving, sheep butchering, bread baking, and a thorough knowledge of history and traditions. So that's something. There's one called Real Indians, R-E-E-L, like a movie reel, and people's ideas of what they think Native Americans are compared to what Native Americans are. Right. Now that you've mentioned the two terms, Indians and Native Americans, is there one of those terms that is preferred by groups, or is it... Well, for the general public, it's interchangeable. Most Native groups would say Native Americans. I would say Lenape because I'm a Lenape descendant from Pennsylvania. And most groups would say, you know, where they're from. You know, like I'm Lenape from Pennsylvania. Another group might be Seneca from New York. So but, mostly, so Native people would identify the tribe. Right, their they're Native group instead first. Instead of saying I'm Native American, right. they would say I'm Navajo. Or, right. And, and it's hard because, like I said, the words are interchangeable. Um, there's a move for what you call Columbus Day to be called Indigenous Peoples Day and to celebrate Native contributions. November is Native American Heritage Month. Most people don't know that. The day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday when most people go comatose standing in line trying to buy sale <laughs> items. But, you know, it's, it's really what the government gave Native people as a national holiday because they already had the day off so they didn't have to create any new days off. The public doesn't realize that's Native American Heritage Day, the national, the federal. Right. So this is an opportunity for adults that have children and grandchildren or work with children to be able to help the children understand this. We go back to October to Columbus right. slash Native American Day. Right which I saw recently. So I think now people are maybe reluctant to drop Columbus, but they want to have Native Americans in there uh, or Indigenous right. People's Day, right. maybe it's called. So that's a, a move I think that's I think forward. it's a wonderful move yeah. because it gives people more opportunity 
Like I said, with the internet, my website is lenapeprograms.info. I have about 100 pages. I have videos, articles, stuff for the children, the parents, stuff for adults in general that they can look at and then go off to other things, like the Smithsonian Institution has wonderful resources for teachers and parents. Let's give that one again. Lenape. L-E-N-A-P-E. P-R-O-G-R-A-M-S dot I-N-F-O. Okay, programs dot info. Yep. Okay, good. So we did talk about the influence on the women's rights. Let me give you a woman you might not have heard of, Lausanne. Everyone hears of Geronimo, right? Correct. Well, Lausanne was a woman warrior. She was called the Apache Joan of Arc. Oh, yeah. She was a medicine woman, a military strategist. She had an uncanny ability to predict the enemy movements. She was her chieftain brother's right hand in planning attacks against the U.S. and Mexican forces. She spent six years fighting alongside of Geronimo until he surrendered in 1885. There's someone you don't hear about. That's right. Lausanne. Lausanne. Hmm. L-O-Z-E-N. You know, it's not always said the way it's spelled. Yeah. Thank you. I was... <laughs> I was spelling it the way Lausanne in Switzerland. Right. L-O-Z-A-N. Z-E-N. E-N. Yep. So instead of jumping out of the plane and yelling Geronimo. All you have to do is jump out of the plane and yell. Lausanne. Lausanne. Yep. (laughs) So Native women were and still are educators, social activists. They fought to preserve their culture and gain justice for their people. And they're gifted artists. Uh, When you go to a powwow or a festival and you see beautiful beadwork, you have to remember the glass beads came here from Venice, Italy, and then Czechoslovakia and many other countries. Glass beads weren't a native invention, but they're beautiful, they're colorful, they already have holes drilled them. You can use them to make beautiful designs on your clothing. So they took and adapted what the settlers were bringing, cloth, thread, needles, thimbles of metal, the glass beads, brass items. So when you think about the works of Native women artists, they embody the legacy and experience that honors previous generations, addresses the present, and speaks of the future. You can think of the relationships, the bonds that go behind and before and in between the human world to include animals, nature, and spiritual entities. The power, the energy that is used to strengthen others and self. And all this is reflected in their artwork, whether it's pottery or baskets or jewelry or working on clothing. Another that people might think of now is Queen Leolani. Remember, Hawaii became a 50th state? Yes. Well, they came in and more or less wiped out her and everyone else that they could from their positions because they wanted to have plantations there. So we became the 50th state. They did not vote for it. They did not have the vote. The people in charge were the Americans who wanted these big plantations. So she was the last reigning monarch of Hawaii, and it was annexed in 1889. In 1891, the foreigners forced through a new constitution to weigh voting rights from the native people. Revolution, encouraged by the American government, forced her to abdicate in 1893. She left over 200 songs that she composed. One of them is still popular today, Aloha Oi. Aloha Oi. 
And remember the song? And the ladies are singing. Yeah. So it's still today. Uh, Maria Montoya Martinez, 1887 to 1980. She was a Pueblo artist and potter. Lived in an ancient Tiwa village in San Ildefonso, New Mexico. She did the traditional ways of pottery that she learned from her aunt. They redid ancient techniques of firing, polychrome, and black-on-black pottery. And her pots are very expensive today. If you have one, take good care of it. Yes, that's Maria. Maria. And I think she signed on the pottery just plain Maria. Maria. Yeah, so they're they're worth a fortune. Some people would think about, for Pennsylvania, Dr. Gladys Tadequidgen. 1899 to 2005. She was an anthropologist, a medicine woman, social worker, author, tribal council member, elder, and a 10th generation descendant of Mohegan Chief Uncas, who was prominent in the colonial era. At age five, she was chosen to learn all these traditions from her people, and it's a good thing she did, too. In 1919, at the age of 20, she went to Pennsylvania. And she worked with the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 1934. She published books on Native American traditional medicines, including the Lenape, Delaware. So on my website, I have a book list. You can print it out, and you can go to the library, use interlibrary loan, and take a look through what she did. Carla, it's time for us to wrap it up now. It's gone very quickly because it's so interesting what you're bringing to us. Give us your website again. LenapePrograms.info. We have learned so much about Native American women, much of which the general public does not know. So, Carla Messinger, thank you so much for coming back. Wanishi, thank when, you for having us Wanishi. again. Wanishi. <laughs> and when Carla uh, gets in touch with me, she always starts off with, hey, and hey. then she puts in parentheses, hello, John. <laughs> I love that. So... Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in tonight for Lehigh Valley Discourse. It's time now for us to leave it. And remember, until we meet again, to be gentle with your neighbor. Stay tuned now for more Lehigh Valley Discourse.